Social emotional learning, it's the new way. Where culturally responsive meets innovation. Hey, Dominators, my name is Kristen Hopkins, CEO and founder of Dangers of the Mind, a company that identifies the attacks against your everyday thought life that shifts major progress. I'm a social emotional learning expert, curriculum developer, and social entrepreneur who believes in the holistic development of youth and young adults through culturally responsive and culturally affirming resources. Welcome to Dangers of the Mind. Hey guys, welcome to another Dangers of My episode. I'm your host, Kristen Hopkins, and today's episode is all about a white leader's role in urban settings. Now, Dangers of the Mind's mission is to teach, reach, and build a strong system of future leaders and pioneers that will harness their intrinsic power and catapult into their rightful purpose. Let me break down what intrinsic means real quick because there's intrinsic and there's extrinsic, and these are really important terms that you should know. Intrinsic motivation talks about the internal satisfaction. So one does something not for the reward, not for the incentive, but they do it because they internally feel satisfied when it's done. So prime example, when you are washing the dishes, when you clean your room, that's intrinsic motivation. You don't do it because you're getting a reward, hopefully. Not, but you do it because it makes you feel good, right? It makes you feel clean and productive, right? So we fulfill this. We believe in intrinsic and extrinsic. And extrinsic is just talking about how kids and adults utilize rewards and incentives for motivation. And so, and here at Dangers of Mind, we believe in intrinsic motivation and we believe in intrinsic power and making sure our children are catapulting into the rightful purpose through internal satisfaction. So how do we fulfill this mission, you might ask? You know, we really focus on shifting the narrative of kids labeled high risk in air quotes. If y'all can see me, I got the air quotes because we do not label our kids over here. That is a no, no. So we shift the narrative of the people that label kids as high risk. And we change that to high promise resilient stories by providing them with culturally responsive and culturally affirming resources. So most of the research that I've been doing over the years has in the social emotional world and the resources, you know, that I focus on is all about the alternative schools and juvenile justice centers. And why is this? Because there's a huge gap in our society and in our educational school system that needs to be filled. So this focus is very, very, very important to me as I know the high need and demand of culturally affirming and responsive SEL resources for Black and Brown students. But listen, y'all, we need these allies for our Black babies too. And we have them. So this episode is in no shape or form going to bash the white educator at all. This episode is actually going to highlight the power of a white leader's role in urban settings. So let's get into it. Many urban districts that I have visited and the teachers that I've met seem to really be invested in a child of color success. Many white schools and white teachers that I've met seem to really be invested in a child's success. And that is important to me. So if that is you, I say thank you and we need you, especially in the urban environments and urban settings. I've also visited schools that I feel have blatant systemic racism going on and it makes me very uncomfortable. 
So consider this episode a call to action for white leaders in urban settings around the nation to accept this with open arms and be willing to be ready to be the example from this episode. So this first step to being the example is becoming, oh, my dear allies, is becoming self-aware. So let's talk about it and let's understand your everyday emotions. How do we do this? By unpacking this invisible backpack that you are carrying to school every single day with these unconscious bias. And you believe that sometimes you believe that you don't have them. And this happens with most of us. It's not just white leaders. But since this is a topic today, let's talk about it. I was reading this article the other day that was just really, really interesting. And I'm going to tell you the authors of this article because I just want to shout them out. Um, The authors are Ricky Lee Allen and Daniel D. Liu. And the article was called Managing Whiteness, the Call for Educational Leadership to Breach Contractual Expectations of White Supremacy. And I'm going to make sure that I drop the link in the show notes so you guys can really read this article. It is worth reading if you are an educator and specifically a white educator in urban settings. The abstract of this article touched on how white supremacy is still very much so under theorized in educational leadership. So when I looked at this article, it basically interpreted the controversy surrounding white teachers' expectation in a racially integrated high school. And they go on to talk about how white supremacy operates in schools in the following ways. Meritocracy as property, institutional violence as colonialism, and racial otherings as racial selfings. Essentially, you know, this article is a call to action, I think, for white leaders to manage their whiteness and disrupt the racial contracts as a strategy to confront structural racism in urban schoolings. So I think I just think it was a job well done, but I'm going to talk about it today with you. So I know that was a lot to digest. So let me back up and define racial contract if you've never heard of it. This concept was brought to my attention by Charles Mills. He wrote a theory and it rests upon three claims. The first claim is that white supremacy, both local and global, exists and has existed for many, many years. Number two. White supremacy should be thought of as itself as its own political system. And number three, that as a political system, white supremacy can be theorized based on contract between whites, a racial contract. This is why he calls this a racial contract. So as a black or white leader in education, I know that we all have seen forms of racism in our educational school systems. When we look at the data, there are still many more white teachers than black teachers in the urban schools that we have in the world. And there's an endless count of white teachers doing their part in these urban education schools. So the role of the white leader in urban education is simple. Start with social and emotional learning. You first must become self-aware and be able to create systems to accurately self-perceive who you are versus who you are trying to be. This helps you build your core values and your true identity within. It is nothing like seeing a white leader that 
respects all, and respects themselves. When you understand your core values, your foundation is strong and you know your boundaries. This is simple and allows confidence to form. We need your confidence to speak up and affirm our black and brown babies. We need your confidence to disrupt racism as soon as you see it. Even if you see it forming and it hasn't even come out, disrupt it. It's your responsibility. We need your confidence to go in spaces that Black people can't go and deconstruct the systems, policies, and other systemic barriers of oppression to give our youth a proper education, better resources, which can ultimately lead to better futures. Are you an educator, parent, young professional, or community leader? Well, our Black SEL Summit is for you. Black SEL is a summit that looks to reach, teach, and build a system of strong Black leaders that understand the importance of social and emotional learning and ways to expose and sustain SEL in Black communities. Black SEL will highlight and elevate the educators and voices of African-American people in the social and emotional learning field. We are looking to create healthy dialogue around policy and ways to expose social emotional learning to surrounding communities and its key stakeholders. Social and emotional learning will not be a trend in the Black communities, but yet we will make this a sustainable tool to advance and heal us one community at a time. This summit will take place on September 30th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. right in Durham, North Carolina, and then our awards banquet starting at 7 p.m. Early bird tickets are on sale right now for only $150. Grab them now before it's too late. Proceeds generated for ticket sales will help build the capacity of the Dangers of My Education Fund. For more information, click the link in the show notes or go to blackSEL.org to learn all about our conference and see the full itinerary there. We can't wait to see you. Now, this all stems from just being simply self-aware in an urban setting. We also need white leaders to understand the importance of building healthy relationships with students of color. I visited a school a while ago, and one thing that stuck out to me was they wanted me to sit in a couple of classes and observe what was happening in the classrooms. And this is something that I've done for years, and this is really the way that I continue to learn and understand what is happening with students and how to connect better with them and how to develop to meet their specific needs. But this time it was interesting because a teacher that I was sitting in a classroom, her classroom observing her, you could tell she was very passionate about teaching. You could tell she loved you know, her subject that she was teaching on. You could tell that she was kind. You could tell all these things. And there was a boy in the front and she kept calling his name and he wasn't responding to her. And so he finally looked up at her the fourth time she called his name. He didn't respond. He finally looked up to her and said, that's not my name. And she said, excuse me. And he said, that's not my name. And he threw like the desk and walked out of the classroom. 
Later, we realized after, you know, I spoke with him and after a couple of other people spoke with him to realize, you know, to see or what triggered this young boy. It was simply because she was mispronouncing his name and his father passed away and his father was named that same name. So he was a junior. And so it was a trigger for him. And although she was this white teacher and he was a black boy, I noticed that she connected well with many of the other students in the classroom. So I don't think it was the fact that she wasn't connecting. It was a simple error for her not to pronounce this boy's name correctly. Now, could this have been prevented? Maybe if she took the time to really understand how to pronounce his name. I mean, we were in, at the time it was October and school had started in August. So, you know, that's three months. You probably should know a child's name by now, but if you don't, it's okay. You know, that wasn't the point of what I was looking at. But what I saw was that this tender young boy automatically assumed that his white teacher could not relate to his father passing away and to not knowing how to, you know, pronounce his name or not even telling her why he was upset. It took four or five people for him to say why he was upset. He felt like he couldn't connect with her. And I was sitting in that classroom trying to understand how could this you know, white teacher connect better to this child. And to this day, I don't think that the white teacher had a, you know, I feel like she was very passionate. I feel like she like loved these kids. She displayed all these things on our observation checklist. And it was this mere fact that she didn't pronounce this boy's name. But when we think about this, you know, these situations that happen every single day and the disconnect that kids automatically feel because someone doesn't look like them, they automatically think that you can't relate. As a white leader in your role in the urban settings is to make sure that you allow that child to know just because I didn't go through what you specifically went through, I still want to relate. I still care. You know, and for her, when she didn't run after to get him and she was still teaching, you know, that showed something to him and it was a disconnect for him. And so when we look at the white leader's role in, you know, urban settings, one of the things that's really important is to perspective take and to empathize, even if you don't understand. We're not asking you to listen to the same music as these kids. We're not asking you to, you know, be hanging out with them at their houses. We're not asking you to do all that. But what we are asking you to do is ask intentional questions about a child, whether it's when you come into the room, when they come into the room, you do an emotional temperature check. You ask them, how are you feeling today on a scale of one to five? You know, what made you feel this way? What makes you happy? Ask them about their hobbies. Get to know them a little bit before you start talking about a subject matter, because she might have been able to know that this boy's father had passed away. She might have known this by just a simple conversation. And so there are really good teachers out there. There's just parts that we have to think about to just stretch you a little beyond what you normally do as your role in this urban setting. And then in order to be culturally responsive and truly build authentic relationships with students and understand what your students need, you must perspective take. You have to, you know, so that's a form of that social awareness that we talked about and it's critically important in understanding a child of color and their culture and 
what may influence them every day. A simple question like, who do you follow on the gram? Now you know who somebody follows on the gram. Your simple question like, if you were on a deserted island, what are the top three things you would bring? Guess what? You can find out a lot about a child for the top three things they could bring. A child might bring a PS5. He may bring his mama. And he might bring his Jordans, right? So you're going to know he loves his mama. He loves his PS5. He loves to play games. And he likes sneakers. You're going to learn this by asking these intentional questions. And this is a part of becoming socially aware is doing the work and being intentional about it. So what am I saying? There is this term called live civics defined by Cohen as a centering of the experiences of youth of color and how race structures their civic lives. This shapes the black student experience. So again, what is a role of a white leader in urban settings? There is a role to intentionally practice your moral compass and know what it is to understand your core values. If I ask you what were your three core values right now, could you spit them out to me? You know, mine's is integrity, is loyalty, is respect. Those are my three core values. You know, my friends laugh at me because if I meet somebody new, I'm like, what are your core values? You know, what are your boundaries? You know, that's something that's important to me because I need to know how do I respect you? If my core value is respect and you disrespect me, you've crossed a boundary, right? And I have to stand firm on that. Even if you disrespect somebody else, You've crossed the boundary because I don't like, that's something I don't like. I stand up for respect. And so when we think about our core values, we oftentimes find our identity and find what we believe and we truly, truly stand on. What is our foundation? Because a lot of times we're in this world and we're just moving fast and, you know, doing our job and getting up out of there. And when a child sees that you have a strong personality and your character is like not shaken, it's solid. Like I got, shout out to Mr. Brown. He runs one of our Dangers of My programs at Lakeview School. And this man's character is solid. Like I'm talking about, he is always the same personality. He Even when he's like, you could tell he's stretching himself to be this like person that just like wants to push through the day and still smile. You could tell he still does it. Like, I mean, he has a very consistent personality, but the kids know him to the core. Like they know him to the core and they know that they can call on him. They can reach out to him. They can confide in him. And so it's important as a white role, you know, in this urban setting, because a lot of experiences that black kids have with some white people are not as good and they don't feel as comfortable. So you want to create this solid character of who you are so that you become dependable in this role for a child in an urban setting. Over the years, research shows the impact of SEL not just impacts a student's life, but adults as well. By establishing adult SEL as a priority, school leaders cultivate the capacity to deal with stress through self-care and build resilience, which can lead to improved job satisfaction, teacher retention, and improved outcomes for students. Why wouldn't we want this as adults? All adults. Why would we want adult SEL? Like basically tells you that you cultivate the capacity to deal with stress. First of all, this ain't about nobody else. It's about you, about the stress that we go through every day. If you're working in an urban setting, I guarantee there's some forms of stress, whether there's, you know, a child that comes in that, you know, might not be able to get lunch today or breakfast today. I remember I went into a school 
And one of my kids told me that he came to school just for breakfast. You know, and these are not all black kids. Don't get me wrong. These are not all black and brown kids. And there's environments where poverty is very high in inner city and urban settings. And it's important that you have the capacity as practicing SEL as an adult to deal with stress and identify that stress through self-care and how you build resilience. I guarantee you that you all are very resilient in your roles in these settings because every day is not easy. But this also leads to improved job satisfaction. You know, you do your job better. You feel better about your colleagues, improves teacher retention, and improves outcomes for your students. So this is something that is really important. And this could be the step in the right direction to disrupt a racial agenda and confront structural racism in urban settings. So I am calling on our white leaders and our roles in schools and urban settings. Also, those white leaders who know that some of our curricula that you may be teaching your students is not culturally responsive, we want to make sure that you identify that and you bring that to the table and you speak up about it. We want to make sure that you're a disruptor to looking at ISS and not just seeing all Black boys in there. We want to make sure that you're identifying racism as soon as it's happening. We want to make sure that you are a part of the change and a part of the goodness and the success that we want to see in our Black and Brown students. So we thank you for the work you're doing. We thank you for your partnership in this fight. And we thank you for practicing social emotional learning and being committed to helping our children each and every day. And this wraps up another Dangers of My episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate the show, and share with friends. See you next time. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Do you see confident people around you? Do you believe you display confidence consistently? How do you feel like confidence contributes to your performance? Join us as we discuss confidence in the workplace and how to know the value you carry and be confident in that. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast.